Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules, powered by Neurobloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors, available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Dr. Anumantha Kandasami. He's the director of the Center for Brain Science and Neurodegenerative Diseases, uh, the Johnny Isaacson Chair for Parkinson's Research, and the Georgia Research Alliance Eminent Scholar Professor. So we're going to talk about Parkinson's and related issues to it. So, Dr. Anamantha, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me in your program. Yeah, if you would, tell me about your background and why you got interested in Parkinson's. Yes, I'm a neuroscientist and neurotoxicologist, and I'm um, always interested in chemistry and biology. And when I grew up and back in India, I you know, have some close relatives with Parkinson's disease and some chemical exposures and connection to Parkinson's, that's kind of intrigued me. So I think that's kind of the basis for my uh, interest in, in studying Parkinson's. Okay, and what's, uh, what's your research about in regards to Parkinson's? What are you looking at? So the Parkinson's are complex neurological diseases, and there is a, current treatments are only treating symptoms. They're not targeted for slowing down the progression. And also we don't have any yearly diagnostic marker that we can diagnose the disease much earlier in the onset of the disease. So our research targets those two aspects, early diagnosis and a better treatment. So to do that, we do a lot of experiments in the lab to understand the mechanism of the disease and then see, try to find out what are the ways that we can address those two major areas of early diagnosis. So how is yeah, how is Parkinson's diagnosed right now? What are the typical methods? So unfortunately, currently it's diagnosed only the patients that develop the symptoms. They go to normally to the, um, you know, uh, your um, family physician. Then he will refer to a neurologist. It takes a while to get the right diagnosis. So we develop, you know, diagnose the disease after the symptoms. The neurologist look at the symptoms and the symptoms overlap with a lot of other diseases. Then they have to further test to do some brain imaging. 
and also there is a, that respond to the Samantan Parkinsonian drug medication. So it is a pre, you know, empirical way to diagnose the disease. There is no conclusive pre predormal or the pre symptomatic diagnosis currently exists for the disease. Well, when when people are symptomatic, what happens? I think I've seen people they um, they have like a tremor, or their you know their their head or their body is like moving rhythmically back and forth. They can't seem to be still. What are the symptoms that are observed when someone has active symptomatic Parkinson's? Yeah, so the early symptoms, as you mentioned, that the uh, resting tremor, like the tremors, normally comes in the like the um, in the thumb. Um, so it's a kind of the what do they call the bill rolling tremor? Like people count the bills. That's how the you know the tremor starts. Then it's uh, normally it's one side of the body. Then it can progress to both sides, but predominantly initially one side of the body. So the four cardinal symptoms are the tremor, rigidity, so they get pretty rigid, and the slowness of the movement, and also the postural instability or the you know, loss of balance. Those are the main cardinal symptoms. But I think we are beginning to understand that it's a lot of symptoms that not only affects the movement, even before the affects the movement, a lot of what we call autonomic dysfunctions like sleep disorders, uh, loss of smell, and uh, constipation. And there's a, you know, a few other autonomic symptoms that's been recently been recognized. And uh, people think those symptoms that are occurs, you know, decade earlier than you get the, the typical Parkinsonian symptoms that occurs. How long does it take on average to diagnose someone with Parkinson's? And at what stage are they at? Is there names for different stages of Parkinson's or how is it characterized? Yeah, there is a various, various stages. And the the, um, the clinicians use the call is the, um, they have a specific call, UPDR score, uh, Unified Parkinson's Disease Scale rating scale, and that's based on the symptoms and also the rating based on the pathology, how quickly the disease spreads from one region to another. There's various gradings on that. Um, it's, it's not like the cancer, you know, you have the stage one, stage two. They don't have that type of classification in general, uh, but mostly it's based on the symptom or symptoms. The clinical monitoring is based on the DPDR uh, score that clinician referred to, but the patient's the classification currently early, early stage disease or the, you know, advanced disease stage. So that's how it's um, uh, it's been classified. So when people are diagnosed, how far along are they typically? Yeah, so so that if they're diagnosed, by the time they're diagnosed, the brain cells and the, you know, the cells that are responsible, about, you know, a few thousand cells that degenerate in Parkinson's, they lose almost about 70% of those neurons that controls the movements. So they they get the symptom there for the lungs. It's kind of you, it's hard to make any meaningful intervention at that stage. Well, why? What, uh, what are the drugs that have been developed that treat Parkinson's? What do they go after? You know, what are the theories on what would affect the disease and stop it or slow it? Yeah, so uh, the current treatment but is you know the the main chemical that contributes the the deficiencies due to the dopamine neurotransmitter that neurochemical is deficient then it affects the specific part of the brain that controls the movement but the 
neuroscientist calls extrapyramidal motor circuitry that gets affected. Um, so, so how do we replace the deficiency to pro? There are some drug available. Uh, mostly they call levodopa. You can provide the precursor for the dopamine neurochemical as a levodopa that can control the symptoms. But over time, that drug itself can cause dyskinesia. That's the one that you refer to. People have a lot of dyskinesia type of uncontrolled motor deficits uh, that the drug itself can contribute over time. It takes about ranging from three to five years, depending on the patients. So the currently, the clinicians try to postpone that initiation of that L-DOPA drug, drug that's quite effective because of that side effects that comes later in the disease. To avoid that people use some kind of mimics, the L-DOPA like mimics that what we call as a receptor at the agonist. So they seem to work better, much you can uh, work a little bit longer, but again, they're not effective uh, when the disease progresses. So we don't have any major drug that could work for a longer period of time for patients to, to have a good quality of life. Okay. So again, what are the targets of current research? So the targets are, in the, uh, one is to, there is a existing hypothesis, the mitochondria that doesn't, the uh, deficiency is, um, is high in Parkinson's patients. So people are trying to improve the mitochondrial function. And then the other targets, uh, the two targets are, uh, one is uh, the protein misfolding. There is a specific protein called alpha-synuclein few other proteins as well that they misfold and then accumulates in the brain. That means the protein um, recycling mechanism, it's not efficient in Parkinson's patient. So trying to, people are trying to uh, refine that, uh, the defective nature of the protein recycling machinery or degraded machinery. And then the third one is inflammation, the brain inflammation. Yeah another contributor to the disease progression. So those are the main three targets. There's a various um, level people target um, different molecules in those pathways, the mitochondrial function, protein degradation, or the neuroinflammation signaling. Okay, so what are your thoughts? What do you think is uh, drives Parkinson's and causes it? Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules, powered by NeuroBloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. I think in terms of the cost, it's hard to pin down one cost. The, um, again, based on the dis- literature and the discoveries over the years, there is a main 
aspect of the disease, the causes are either through environmental, what we say, environmental risk factor or the genetic risk factors. In terms of the genetic risk factor, there is about 20 plus genes been discovered in the last, starting 1997, but they will account for only about 10% of the disease. Still 90%, what we call idiopathic. We don't have a real cause for the disease, but based on the literature, we know that there is exposure to chemicals, certain chemicals like pesticides, certain metals, the uh, manganese, heavy metal exposures, um, as well as certain solvents. So those are all sort of chemical exposure and the environmental risk, the genetic risk factors. And those are the main contributor to the disease. Okay, got it. So what is your research about? What are you focusing on and trying to figure out? Yes, uh, our research kind of the main three themes I talked to you earlier, again, the central piece is to how we can diagnose this much earlier, pre-symptomatic stage. And the second one we're trying to address is uh, in a better therapeutic treatment uh, strategy. Um, So in terms of the early diagnosis, what we have shown in the last few years, we developed an assay test that can measure uh, detect the the misfolded protein in various tissues, and um, and we found recently even the skin samples probably the most um, accessible. Um, the the skin tissues have, as you know, they have a lot of sensory nerves. So we have uh, uh, found some discovered some tests that should be able to tell us whether this person has a potentially risk for developing Parkinson's. So that's one other thing that's a diagnostic marker. And then the the other part of the work is to the three pathways I mentioned earlier, the um, mitochondrial function, neuroinflammation, and protein degradation. We are trying to understand and trying to focus on specific signaling based on our mech, what we call as a mechanistic lab mechanistic study. We're trying to develop some interventional strategies that can uh, slow down the disease. And the, another part is to the L-DOPA that causes dyskinesia. We are trying to develop some additional kind of new methodologies to deliver the drug um, that can reduce the side effects that are associated with the L-DOPA treatment. What are the benefits of L-DOPA? What are the, the drawbacks? Can you restate them? Yeah, so the L-DOPA is one of the it's kind of gold standard treatment. Uh, It was discovered around 1960s. So this provides the the dopamine neurochemical when it gets into the body, it converts into the dopamine. Um, And then the brain cell, you know, the the circuitry works better. Uh, But as I mentioned earlier, they, over time, they, we had to take this tablet three, four times a day um, to keep it in a plasma level. But when you have this, you know, the pulsated delivery of the drug that changes the pharmacology, the receptors are super sensitized in the brain and they develop this dyskinesia. So we are trying to address that problem to keep it stable level uh, to you don't have to administer three to four times a day. So we are developing some new strategies to administer drug through gut microbiome uh, microbes um, that we can engineer uh, to make the drug. So it's kind of unique 
technology to be here working on. You mean you make it a specific like probiotic that will Correct. have the yes. gut yes. bacteria? Make, make yeah, yes, you got it. Yeah, you take a probiotic that engineered to produce the uh, the drug so that your body gut makes that constantly. But where is it made in, in normal people and healthy people? Is it made in the gut by bacteria? Where? No, normal people that see the brain cells, you have the metabolites like the amino acid, tyrosine, one of the you know, amino acids that the brain can make it. But the cells are dying in the brain. They don't make it anymore. They are, are the, are the, uh, the amount required is not sufficient. Well, I thought that so um, like serotonin is is mostly made in the gut. Maybe perhaps most neurotransmitters are. Maybe the uh, receptor sites or the cells that receive it from the gut. If if this is true, I'm just making this up, but speculation. But maybe that's another potential factor. I don't know. Yeah. So serotonin. Some of the the serotonin, even some dopamines are made in the gut, but they cannot reach, cross the you know get into the brain efficiently. So that so why you have the brain also makes them uh, internally. So that's what's available there. So whatever that you're producing, the serotonin, the dopamine, and those type of thing in the peripheral system has its own function, like the gut motility and various you know, enteric nerve. You know, gut. There is a lot of nerves uh, in the gut, the enteric system. So they also need to be function appropriately. So that's where you have the local generation of the serotonin dopamine allows them but the uh, in terms of the movement control the uh, the mood behaviorals and those type of thing the brain makes a strong neurotransmitter has anyone been able to uh, fluorescently tag or otherwise tag various neurotransmitters to see you know if they're produced again in the gut or somewhere else where they go to see if they actually do cross the blood-brain barrier or not yeah so i think those are studies have done long term that the fluorescent label and the even the transport, there is a minimal, but I think these serotonergic, serotonin, serotonin producing neurons and dopamine producing neurons is quite efficient in the brain. Um, so they can, they produce enough. Uh, so that's why even those cells degenerate, uh, then you develop the symptom that tells us even the gut produces a lot. They don't get, get to the brain efficiently. So that's what we have to, provide them in a different form like L-dopa so the dopamine is not transportable but if you have the L-dopa that is can transport into the brain so you provide a substrate then the brain can there are some enzymes that can convert into dopamine I don't know if I'm getting the, the name wrong the chemical name but is L-dopa does that mean there's an R-dopa or an S-dopa are there other molecules yes, that yeah, have that chirality? Yeah, so the chirality is there, yes. L-dopa is the one that most of the amino acids in our body, that L-dopa is the one that levodopa. So it's also called Cinemat, yeah, the brand name. Yeah, L-dopa is the right form that needs for the brain to make a dopamine neurotransmitter. But is, does the body produce a mixture of different kinds of dopa or is it only produce uh, L-dopa? Mostly L-dopa, but some other ones are, there may be some you know, they are the R dopers and things, but it's not that biologically, you know, active amino acids that, you know, incorporated into the proteins are making some metabolites that are essential for, uh, you know, the receptor stimulation. Well, do people know if it's necessary to have a little bit of other kinds of dopa with L-dopa 
to make it function properly or perhaps the um, other kinds of dopa, so, you know, perhaps they're necessary. So they do have some, you know, dopamine analogs and there's a different form of the dopas and dopa metabolites can stimulate various receptor or these subreceptors, but they're not as efficient as your the signaling up without the the dopamine transporters that required for um, you know execution of um, movements. Okay, so um, having bacteria produce L-dopa has that been done in mice, or is it just in the petri dish for now? Like how far? No, along we have done now? mice. Even we've gone to the dog models. Uh, so the dog, it works really well. I think we are, I think very at the uh, late stage of our preclinical. I think we are uh, trying to get into the clinical uh, trials. Oh, when, when will there be uh, clinical trials in humans, do you think? So we are thinking at least the next couple of years, at least we have to launch the phase one, phase two uh, studies. Uh, that's our uh, you know, goal to get there. So we are, we are on the right track to get, get that going. Any other promising treatments that uh, you're looking at in addition? Uh, any other promising treatment other than the uh, probiotic? Right, in addition to it, yes. Yes, yeah. So we have also we have some additional, uh, you know, based on our um, mechanistic studies, there are mitochondrial dysfunction. We can we have identified that the mitochondrial stress when the mitochondria gets stressed. I mean, the aging is a part of the stress response to the body. They activate specific signaling pathway that when you increase in the reactive oxygen species, the oxidative stress triggers a signaling mechanism that activates a kinase that we have killed this new dopaminergic neuron. The dopaminergic neurons have this kinase very high concentrations. So this aberrant activation of this mitochondrial stress response activates the kinase and kills the neuron. So we are in the process of making some small molecules and see whether we can block that you know, uh, activation of the kinase so that the cells can be saved. And the other one is we also identify another compensatory response during early stages, st- stages of stress. There are survival signaling pathways that seem to protect the neurons against stress. So we are trying to identify some agonist or um, uh, activators of that signaling pathway so that the cells can compensate when there is increased stress response. And so those are the two major ones we are trying to understand in the mitochondrial function. We also testing few anti-inflammatory agents um, that um, have a potential for, again, understanding signaling pathway, receptor biology, and things like that type of nature. So our group is um, looking at the anti-inflammatory or the mitochondrial stress response modulators it's a potential disease-modifying drug that can possibly develop as a drug. Okay. Well, well very good. What, what's the, uh, the best way for people to find out more about your research and to look into, in general, what's going on with Parkinson's research? What do you recommend? Yes. One of the general public, then you can go to the website and look for it, UGA and with my name and, you know, there is some publications and things like that. We are in the process of developing something website. I just moved to University of Georgia just about uh, six months ago. And we also have a center. We are building a new center for uh, neurodegeneration in the process of also recruiting additional faculty 
four to five more faculty for our center and we're building so that um, stages where um, uh, you know new new center that's coming up and that will have a lot more news and upcoming news and what's going on in the research so there will be a lot more stuff that they can look from our website and of course the scientists they can look for our papers and what about technologies and those type of things okay well very good well thank you so much for coming on the podcast i i appreciate it i don't know you know, again, a lot about Parkinson's, but uh, learning uh, through these interviews. So thank you for your work and uh, hope listeners can benefit from what you said. Yes, absolutely. I think ultimately patients need to benefit and make sure their quality of life can be improved. That's the ultimate goal. Thanks, Excellent. Rich. Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules, powered by NeuroBloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.